You're listening to Nonprofit Confidential, episode number 19. Hey there, welcome back to Nonprofit Confidential. This podcast is for nonprofit talent who want to empower themselves to create exceptional impact on their communities. I'm your host, Sheila Nimishakavi, the founder of Third Suite, and I am obsessed with nonprofits creating a tangible impact on our communities. I've spent over a decade helping nonprofits unlock their potential and increase their capacity to create real change. If that sounds like what you're into, then you are in the right place. Today's episode is brought to you by Third Suites Book Club. This is a free virtual book club, so you can join it no matter where you are. Each month, we discuss a new book that is relevant to our field. Within our private Facebook group, you can share questions and comments as you read the books, and each month, we'll hop onto a call and really do a deep dive into the themes of the books. This book club is for you, so if there are books you want to read or certain topics that you're passionate about or even problems you're trying to work through, bring them to the group. We can all learn together and ultimately build stronger organizations. If you're interested and want to join our private online book club, just head over to bookclub.thirdsuite.com. I'm actually recording this episode just shortly after we held our first official book club meeting, and it was honestly just so much fun. I literally called up my sister afterwards and told her it was just like hanging out with my friends. The book from last month was about social infrastructure, so we chatted about how nonprofits play a role in creating the social infrastructure of our communities and how we can use the information in the book to better ourselves and our organizations. And it was truly just so much fun and such a respectful group to be a part of. Some of us didn't even finish the book and yet had so much valuable insight to offer and bring to the discussion. So major shout out to my TBC group. If you're even slightly interested in joining Third Suites Book Club, I really encourage you to give it a shot. All right, so today's episode is a little bit shorter than most because if you're listening to this when it gets published, it's the first week of July. So it's a short week with the July 4th holiday. So I'm hoping you are out relaxing at the beach or just enjoying some downtime. But also for many nonprofit organizations, the first week of July is also the first week of a new fiscal year. So things are kind of slow and you're just getting starting to get ramped up for the new year ahead. And this is the topic for today's podcast episode. I'm going to share with you five tips for starting your new fiscal year off on the right foot. In my opinion, the new fiscal year kind of feels like a new calendar year. You have a clean slate, the possibilities are endless, There's just so much potential at the beginning of a new fiscal year. And this is true whenever your new fiscal year starts. So even if your new fiscal year doesn't start for another few months, keep listening and perhaps come back to this and revisit this episode when your new fiscal year actually does start. 
But you know what I mean, right? There's kind of this energy renewal that occurs at the beginning of a new fiscal year, and it just feels like anything is possible. For me, I feel this way in January regarding my personal life. It's such a great time for setting new goals for myself, reevaluating my health, and deciding who I want to be as a person. But the new fiscal year for me, and maybe it's this way for you too, the new fiscal year is when I look at my professional goals and what I want to achieve in that respect. So why don't we just dive right into it? What are five things you can do to make this fiscal year your best yet? My first tip for you is to reverse engineer your fiscal year. If you've ever gone to a professional retreat or worked with a coach or anything like that, you've probably done a version of an exercise where you write a letter to yourself looking back on your life. So you would write a letter to your current self from your future self. Or another version of this is to write out your eulogy. Sounds a little bit morbid, I know, but it's a way of figuring out the type of person you want to be and how you want to be remembered. The idea here is to figure out your goals, your priorities, and how you want to feel in the future by putting yourself in that mindset and then working backwards to figure out how to get there. We can leverage the same idea for your fiscal year planning. Many organizations, I'd you know, say probably the majority of nonprofits, write an annual report where you're looking back on the fiscal year and highlighting your achievements. So instead of writing this in the past tense, Write it now. Write the annual report that you want to share with your community for this new fiscal year. Whether this is just the letter from the executive director, or if you're not the executive director, then this can be the portion of the annual report that you're responsible for, so your program, for instance. But this exercise is helpful because it helps you get really clear on exactly what you want to accomplish this year. It helps you get razor focused on what your priorities are so that when new ideas or opportunities emerge that are not aligned with this intention, you can easily say no and stay in your defined lane. There are also several variations that you can do with this exercise. So if the annual report isn't particularly relevant to your position, perhaps you can write out your annual performance review with your supervisor. What do you want your supervisor to say about you at the end of this fiscal year? How do you want to have grown in your role between now and then? Okay, on to tip number two. My second tip for you is to make the one decision that will make other decisions downstream easier. Sometimes we can face the same decision over and over again, and these small decisions have little relevance to our ultimate impact. For instance, if you're a supervisor and you need to approve every single purchase made by the staff that you manage, that's not necessarily a good use of your mental energy. Instead, can you get approval to create a rule that says something like, any purchase under $50 does not need your approval, or $100, or whatever value is small enough that it's not going to be a significant impact on your budget. Now, of course, you still want to get all of the appropriate backup and still have employees submit expense forms, but the idea is they don't need your prior approval. Or maybe if you're creating content for your organization, rather than having to decide every week or every month what you're going to post about, 
Can you create a formula so you can narrow down on your decision making? For instance, you can say, every Monday we're going to post about upcoming events. Every Wednesday we'll spotlight a participant. Every Friday we'll spotlight staff, and on and on. This can even go for meetings and questions and emails so that you can protect your time. So rather than deciding whether or not to take questions from staff every time they come into your office or deciding whether or not to respond to an email as it comes in, set aside time for these tasks. Say every morning from 8 to 9 a.m. you're going to answer all your email and then you're not going to touch it again until the afternoon. Perhaps set aside the hour of 1 to 2 for staff to come in and ask you questions that they have. So think about these little systems you can put in place that clear up your mental energy for your most important tasks. It's not always easy to get this started, but I guarantee you, once you put these systems in place, other people will adapt to your system. My third tip for you to have your best fiscal year yet is to shift the focus of your meetings from reporting to strategizing. Oftentimes, when we meet with staff, whether it's one-on-one or during team meetings, we simply go around the circle and talk about what we've done this week or what we're going to do. It's like a progress report so that everyone knows what, the, uh, what each other is doing, right? Now, I'm not saying we don't need to know this information. Of course, it's important for all of us to know what's going on in the organization, but can't that be done by email or through project management software? I'm going to get on a little bit of a tangent here, but it's related, I promise. So many nonprofit boards have standard documents that they need to review during each meeting, but they don't necessarily have an impact on the future of the organization. It's merely reporting for the board of directors. So for instance, they need to approve the meeting minutes from the last board meeting. They need to review the financials. They need to look at the executive director's progress report that highlights key achievements from the previous month or quarter. But these take up a lot of time at each board meeting. And so when you only have these key people in the room together once a quarter, that time is really valuable. So rather than go through all of these documents together as a team, many nonprofits have implemented what's called a consent agenda. These documents, those meeting minutes, the you know full financial documents, the executive director's report, all of that is sent over to the board prior to the meeting. And the board simply reviews it on their own time and they vote to approve all of that information as one agenda item. If your organization does not have consent agendas at the board meeting, then tip three, section A, is to implement that as soon as you can because it really is such a time saver and you really get so much more out of your board when you do this. Similarly, can we implement this idea with team meetings? Rather than go through the progress report for each staff, can that be sent out to the team prior to the meeting so that this valuable hour that the entire team has together can be focused on problem solving or strategizing or leveraging each other's skills so that you can move the organization further. This goes for one-on-one meetings in your nonprofit as well. If you have questions or want to propose a new idea, don't come to the meeting and bring all of this new information with you. Send the information over to the person you're meeting with so that you're using that valuable one-on-one in-person time together to brainstorm. Okay, I think I've made my point with that one. Let's move on. 
to tip number four. Identify your roadblocks and start to chip away at them this year. We all have our personal roadblocks that prevent us from achieving what we want to. Whatever it is, we all have areas that we can improve upon, and these mental roadblocks prevent us from having the impact that we want to have. When I say roadblock, I don't just mean identifying what the problem is. The identified problem typically is not the actual roadblock. So let me give you an example. Perhaps if you have trouble fundraising, it's not because you lack passion or you're not qualified. It's more likely that you have an underlying fear of some sort, whether that's fear of rejection or fear of annoying a potential donor. So make it a priority this year to identify these mental roadblocks and work on them. The only way to get over a fear is to face it head on, right? So if you're having trouble raising the funds that you need in order to sustain your organization, you need to face this fear and keep asking potential donors for funding. You'll hear no a bunch of times. You might even annoy a few people, but through the process, you'll realize that more times than not, you'll actually meet people who are happy to donate to your organization and are thankful that you gave them the opportunity to make a gift. And you will hear no a lot. That's kind of just the way it is, but you'll soon realize that it's not the worst thing in the world. You hear no and you just move on to the next person. Now, your roadblock might be something else. The only way you're going to figure out what that is is by spending time doing some introspection to figure out what area of your work are you not creating the impact that you want to have. And then start to really dig deep and figure out why you haven't been able to have the impact you desire. Is it because of a fear? Is it because you lack interest? Do you need some training? Don't let another fiscal year go by without addressing these roadblocks. Along this same note, My fifth and final tip for you is to invest in yourself every single day. Let's step back for a second and consider the number one expense for most nonprofit organizations. It's staff. Staff are the number one resource that nonprofits have, and accordingly, it's where nonprofits spend the bulk of their money. Now, this can kind of be a difficult concept for some people, especially those who don't come from the nonprofit world. Typically, when you think of a business, there is some sort of input of resources and an output that people pay for. These resources can be all sorts of things. It can be cotton that goes into making t-shirts. It could be the ingredients for a recipe. It can be the chemicals needed to to produce household cleaners. Whatever it is, there is some sort of input and then a tangible output. To improve the quality of the output, you improve the system or you improve the quality of the input. So let's say a company produces cookies. To produce a higher quality cookie, you source higher quality ingredients, right? Like you want organic flour, a better tasting chocolate, maybe a higher quality vanilla, and so on. For nonprofits, the resource that we work with are staff intelligence and time. The product is the impact nonprofits have on their community. So for a better product or a greater impact, we need better input. So that means more intelligent staff or more time. And since time is finite, the only thing you can do to create greater impact is to invest in staff. This is, of course, a really, really, really simplified explanation of the resources nonprofits have. But my point is that you, as a hardworking member of a nonprofit, you are a valuable asset to the organization. 
So to create a greater impact on your community, you need to invest in yourself. And when I say invest in yourself, I mean invest in staff development, buy books, go to workshops, network with other nonprofit talent. I also mean invest in your self-care. Take time off when you need to recoup, exercise, pay attention to your physical and mental health. These are all things that you can do to have a greater impact on your community. All right, so that wraps up my five tips to help you kick off your new fiscal year. The start of a new fiscal year truly is a great time just to pause and reflect upon the impact you want to have. Once you implement these five ideas, I think you'll really set the tone for a fantastic year. For more information and for show notes, please head over to www.thirdsuite.com forward slash 19. And if you've received any value from this episode or any of the others, please do me a huge, 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 huge favor and leave a rate and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you so much for listening. I truly hope you have a wonderful, impactful fiscal year ahead. And as always, if there's anything I can do to help, please don't ever hesitate to reach out. Have a fantastic holiday weekend. I will see you here next week.